Good afternoon, my conscious co-creators. Welcome to another edition of the Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity. I am very, very pleased that you are all here with me today. I hope you're having a wonderful day this week and a a good week as well. Uh, If you did not catch my show last week, I highly recommend you go out and listen to it. My interview with Laurel Langemeyer, um, it was quite insightful about the current state of the economy and uh, around things that we can do. Um, So I just want to mention that. And you can always catch it on talkradio.nyc by uh, uh, just going under shows and clicking on the Conscious Consultant Hour. Okay, I have a wonderful guest in store for you this week. I'm really looking forward to speaking with him for the hour. But first, of course, we have our little reading from my book, Everyday Awakening, uh, which is available at everydayawakeningbook.com. And let's get into it. So this section is entitled, When Resistance Appears, It Just Means There Is a Better Way. When we face challenges in our lives, most people have a tendency to push through a problem. We effort and grit our teeth as we work, work incredibly hard to get where we want to go. Yet how often do we stop and think about whether there is a better way? In today's world, it's all about strength of will and sheer determination. It's about crushing it, pounding on the desk and sheer force. We rarely stop to think about the consequences of such an attitude, especially the cost on our health. These approaches reveal an underlying belief that life doesn't really support us. What if, instead of having to kill ourselves to get something accomplished, we were able to allow something to blossom? What if life really does support us when we are in alignment and when we learned to accept how things worked out? Imagine, if you can, what your life would be like if instead of every place where you found you had had to exert extreme force, you merely took a step back and tried a different way. Much, how much more could we achieve if we f- listened to life and paid attention to where there wasn't resistance? It all comes down to our beliefs. Do we believe life is constantly guiding us or that we have to go it alone? Do we believe life wants us to succeed and spread more good things in the world? Or is it totally indifferent? When we choose to believe that life is supporting us constantly and always, the life we lead becomes one of less struggle, not more. Accomplishment becomes something we receive instead of something we must, we must work hard at. Which world would you rather live in? So this uh, section that I wrote a couple of years ago, um, it really, and this is something that I'd been learning, something that I heard, have heard people speak about many times, this whole idea that resistance is not something to push through. It's not something that we just have to persevere and, 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 and really effort and, and, and grit our teeth. And it's just, we just have to take it. But resistance is actually just a sign from the universe that either maybe now is not the right time, maybe the path is not the right path, 
or maybe there's a different way or a better way to go about what we're thinking of doing. And how often do we ignore the resistance? And, and it's interesting because there are a number of coaching clients I've worked with over time whom uh, really they were looking to achieve something. They really wanted it, but resistance after resistance after resistance showed up until I finally kind of talked to them and kind of gave them a different perspective. Like, hey, maybe this resistance is trying to tell you something. Maybe... You know, I'm not saying that you shouldn't go after your dreams or your goals, but maybe now is just not the right time. And inevitably, those people who take a step back, who say, okay, let me listen to the resistance. Let me not try and push through this. Uh, let's just see what's going to happen. And inevitably, something unfolded that either took them in a different direction, made it so much easier and better when they did wait, or they realized that there was something they were missing. And now that they've waited and they've uh, put something more into it and it turned out even better. So uh, keeping in mind that resistance is really trying to tell us something and it could be just our own lack of alignment. It could be our own lack of alignment uh, with ourselves, with what it is we we think we want. It could be a lot of different things. So resistance is not here to make life difficult for us. It's not here to, 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 to teach us a lesson. It's not here to like give us a hard time. Resistance is here to just Help us to see that there's something we're not aware of or that maybe our timing is not the universe's timing. So I think that's kind of important to keep in mind. I hope that that serves you. And, and I, I took this also to a deeper level that, that the way we approach resistance, the way we, we, we respond to it, it really reveals a lot about our belief about life, about the way things are. And if we believe that, you know, life is here to teach us a lesson, that life is here to punish us and we have to work hard and everything about life is hard, then that's what we're going to get. We're going to keep coming up against situations that are hard. We're going to have to keep working hard. But if we believe that life is here to support us, that life happens for us, not to us, that we're a creator and not a victim, and that, you know, we're here and we have incredible support in all kinds of ways all around us. If that's our belief, suddenly life gets a lot more fun. Life gets a lot easier. And life turns into us from a struggle into play, into joy. Now, look, am I right? Am I wrong? Who knows? My belief is, you know what? Don't believe a word I say, but just try it on for yourself. Does it feel better? Does your life come to a better place by believing that life is constantly supporting us? That resistance is here to just show us that our timing is off or there's a better way or there's something not in place yet. 
how would that change how we show up and how life feels to us? In which world would you rather live in? Personally, and again, this is my own hallucination, I believe that life is, uh, uh, that, that the universe is a compassionate place and that life is here to serve us always and that life happens for us, not to us. And I've lived the other way. And frankly, I prefer believing this for now until I get a deeper understanding, until something else reveals itself to me that I see that maybe I didn't get things 100% right. I'm okay with that. I I spoke with a gentleman the other week, and and I'm going to have him on the show next year, a little bit later in the year, um, who said to me, and I thought this was brilliant, he said he doesn't believe in truth, he believes in understanding. Because as our understanding shifts, what we believe in shifts. So let's focus maybe more on un- our understanding of life, of the universe, of all kinds of things. And just try it on and see how does it work for you. So a, a wonderful little section called When Resistance Appears, It Just Means There Is a Better Way. Um, and if you like this, if, if you uh, are just learning about my book for the first time, it's called Everyday Awakening. You are more powerful than you know, and you can get it at www.everydayawakeningbook.com. And it's filled with lots of little sections like this that don't take very long to read, uh, but give you something profound or a different perspective or a little encouragement. It's kind of one of these like bedside companions. I like to look at it uh, to um, uh, to help you, you know, to just support you in your daily life. So I, I hope you enjoyed it. Um, I like that section. Anyway, um, it is now my pleasure to introduce to you my guest today, and, and my guest is only on uh, audio, not on video today, so you get to see me, but you'll, you'll hear my guest. His name is Alan Gompers, and he's a nationally recognized author, an insightful lecturer, an expert on recidivism, a mentor to at-risk youth, and a beloved authority on meditation and self-actualization. He's been a musician, millionaire, master salesman, drug dealer, convict, entrepreneur, benefactor, a wise and revered meditation teacher. Alan Gompers has led an amazing life. His lifelong search for recognition, power, and love drove him to make and lose million-dollar fortunes, betray friends and family, and deal drugs, which ultimately brought him to a 15-year-to-life prison sentence. It was in maximum security prison that he finally found deep within himself what he had been seeking, seeking the true meaning of freedom. So, Alan, welcome to the Conscious Consultant Hour. And please remember to unmute yourself. Um, All right. Um, Thank you. Welcome to the Conscious Consultant Hour, Alan. And and so let's just to be clear for our audience, you're not in prison anymore, are you? Well, my understanding of that statement is um, one that my uh, meditation master always taught us all, that everybody, um, unless you have attained enlightenment, true liberation, is in, in prison. And the only prison that exists 
is the prison of the mind. Thought mm. itself. Yes. So this is this is the whole reason for a spiritual life, to spiritualize our lives. This is the whole reason uh, to be, because without it, um, um, that word you were using in the beginning has great great meaning for me, that word resistance, mm. because it, 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 it engenders... Um, it engenders contraction. And we yeah. live in a benevolent universe. So, you know, whether we believe that or not is not the issue. Whether we experience it or not is the issue. Yeah. And through meditation, we get to a place where we actually experience that the world yeah. and everything in it is benevolent. And that everything that is happening to us is a wake-up call. Some some of us take longer than others. Um some of us don't respond even in this lifetime, but the thread of humanity is eternal. The yes. mortal soul, we've all heard that expression, um, that there's a part of us deep inside that is eternal. Yes. And that part of us, that part of us uh, lets us know when we experience it, that life truly is benevolent and that resistance is just a way in which it, it tries to wake us up. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Mm -hmm. All right, Alan, I, I want to dig into kind of your past a little bit. And, and I want to mm -hmm. give people a little bit more of a background because I said a lot there in the bio that might confuse some people, but we've got to take our first break of the show. So, so let's go out to break. And when we come back, I would like to dig in just kind of your background a little bit more, you know, how, you know, how you became, you know, that this very successful person then lost it all. And then mm -hmm. what happened to you in prison that you've now become sort of a very spiritual person, okay? Sure. All right, wonderful. So everybody, please stay tuned. You're listening to the Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity. We do this every Thursday, 12 noon to 1 p.m. Eastern time right here on talkradio.nyc and on Facebook, on uh, Facebook Live, uh, facebook.com slash inspired thoughts with Sam and uh, facebook.com slash talkradio.nyc. And we will be right back with Alan Gompers after these messages. Are you a business owner? Do you want to be a business owner? Do you work with business owners? Hi, I'm Stephen Fry, your small and medium-sized business or SMB guy, and I'm the host of the new show, Always Friday. While I love to have fun on my show, we take those Friday feelings of freedom and clarity to discuss popular topics on the minds of SMBs today. Please join me and my various special guests on Friday at 11 a.m. on talkradio.nyc. Are you a conscious co-creator? Are you on a quest to raise your vibration and your consciousness? I'm Sam Leibowitz, your conscious consultant. And on my show, The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, we will touch upon all these topics and more. Listen live at our new time on Thursdays at 12 noon Eastern Time. That's The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, Thursdays, 12 noon on talkradio.nyc. Are you on edge? 
Hey, we live in challenging, edgy times, so let's lean in. I'm Sandra Bargeman, the host of The Edge of Every Day, which airs each Monday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time on talkradio.nyc. Tune in live with me and my friends and colleagues as we share stories and perspectives about pushing boundaries and exploring our rough edges. That's The Edge of Every Day on Mondays at 7 p.m. Eastern Time on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC. Uplift, educate, empower. Welcome back to the Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity. We're speaking this hour with author and uh, meditation teacher, Alan Gomper. So, Alan, um, I, I read your bio last segment, and, and it really is, is, uh, sounds like something out of a Hollywood movie. I'm wondering if we can just talk about that a little bit of sort of what happened to you. You know, how did life develop? for you how did you end up in prison and then what happened in prison that turned your life around uh well you know to begin with um to just bring this into into uh context um i remember when i was a little boy maybe i was 12 or 13 years old and um uh i was wandering around my house my parents had gone out and um so you know I went around and was exploring areas in the apartment that were off off limits for me at that point in my life. Things that my um, that my mom and dad had, and they they wanted it to be for them for their eyes only. And the minute they were gone, of course, there I am, twelve years old, and I'm, I'm searching every part of the house to find out what what they're hiding. And I came across this drawer when I opened it up. A picture, a black and white photo, fell on the floor, and uh, as I looked at it, it was, a, it was a little boy, maybe four or five years old, and the expression on his face was was that of, of abject loneliness and pain and fear. And as I was looking at the photo, I realized, as tears started to well up in my eyes, that I was looking at a younger image of myself. Ah. Uh-huh. And that the the feelings that were radiated from that that photograph were the feelings that I had carried with me right up until that very moment in my life, that I was living always in depression and loneliness and fear, and I had no idea how to deal with it. Mm. And as I as I was staring at the photograph, these feelings, these waves of, of of fear began to well up inside me. And you know anybody who's ever had an experience of real, of, of real, real fear, you know, it can be it can be very empowering until it just wears itself out, because it, it it drains the energy of the body. But fear itself can motivate all kinds of behaviors that are, are empowering in the short term. And at that point in time, 
what it got me to do, Sam, was to try to find a way, because I did not want to live my life with those feelings any longer. I was afraid I was going to carry them with me the rest of my life. And so what I did is I I went back out into the world, and um, the first thing I did was, you know, um, I had a whole group of friends, and basketball was 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 the game of the day back in the Bronx when I was a kid. And um, when I got out on the court to play, I competed with my whole heart, and I always felt a sense of what the athletes today call the zone, where you yeah. get into that meditative space where nothing around you was going on anymore. You're just totally focused on what, what's going on. It's a feeling of ecstasy, of, of focus, and uh, you feel great, and, and you feel you can do anything. But right. the minute that the game is over, and I had to go back home at the end of the day, um, I carried all of those feelings. They came roaring back again. And I wound up going to sleep, pulling the covers over my head and crying myself to sleep. This was every night, night in and wow. night out. Um, I, w- I just, you know, go. I would go back to the, the playground again and get back into that zone, and things were all right for the moment, but I couldn't sustain it. I couldn't hold it. But there was that part of me that was searching for something that could end the pain. Right. And eventually I came home one night, and um, this was the genesis. Uh, I walked into a a little hallway in between two buildings where I lived in the Bronx. And as I walked into this little hallway, it was like an echo chamber. You could hear your footsteps on the floor echoing. Right. And at the end of the hall, there were the five guys and one of them just picked his hand up like a like a conductor, a, a, a musical conductor for an orchestra, and he brought uh-huh. his hand down, and they began to sing. Ah! And he started to sing a song called "A Sunday Kind of Love." It was a, a one that was back in the fifties when uh, doo-wop okay. rock and roll first started. Right. And when I heard the blending of those five voices together in a harmony that touched my heart so deeply that I thought it was going to fall out of my chest. Mm, It was the first moment in my life, Sam, that I felt love arise inside me. Ah, from that beautiful acapella music, right? Just, just five guys Mm -hmm. harmonizing and singing. I love that music. Yeah. And I, you know, I eventually, uh, from that I was inspired. I started my own group called the Montclair's. We began making records and singing, and oh. it was always with the idea of trying to get that the group to be able to, to come into that harmony, that a cappella harmony, which triggered my heart in a way that made me feel the love, because it wasn't the music. Mm. It wasn't the basketball. Right. It was that blend of harmonics that actually was like a mantra that shifted and triggered the space of my heart to open and the love came pouring out. Gotcha. Gotcha. Really? And, 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 and it sounds like also it brought you to extreme presence that w- what the, the music and the basketball sort of had in common is when you're in the zone, when you're playing basketball, like that's also a place of extreme presence. And then with the music that also brought you to a place of extreme presence where you were able to access w- the feelings that were coming from your heart. 
Yeah, exactly. And it, and it wasn't a belief system. It was an actual experience. It was an experience. The right. ecstasy and the 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 orgasmic um, experience that arose out of my heart opening. Uh, that was the revelation the, that the that 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 completely changed my life. So I I I, th- I thought it was the music. Right. I loved the music, but it wasn't the music. It was coming from within me. Right. I didn't understand it at the time, so I kept searching. And right. one day, one of the guys came up to me and said, "Alan, you know, we've been hired to sing at a Sweet Sixteen party, and where do you see this girl? She's gorgeous." <laughs> and we we. We sang at the show, and, and as, as fate would have it, she fell in love with one of the guys in the group. Fortunately, uh-huh. it was for me. It was me. <laughs> and a couple of years later, we wound up getting married. We had a baby, and life was really, really beautiful because, again, I was living in that space of love. But, again, it was coming from her, All I right. thought. I thought that the, the 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 love that I and the security and the happiness that I was feeling was because of her. Right from something external, you were feeling that it was an external source, not an internal source. Yeah, I had no idea about the idea that the internal source was the only source of it. Right. I was constantly looking for something external all the time to replicate the experience. Right. So that's why I kept looking. Eventually, what happened was. Um, she, the marriage imploded two years down the road Mm. and back came all of the fear, the loneliness, the depression, the whole nine yards. Right. One day, one day, um, uh, I, I met a friend of mine and, um, he looked at me and he says, Alan, he said, I don't know what's going on in your life, but you've got too much creativity in you. We need to go out and make money. That's where it all is. And that resonated with me. So we we went out and we started selling mutual funds, broke all kinds of records in the financial industry, and wound oh. up with a brokerage house, an over-the-counter brokerage house, which a few years later became one of the biggest brokerage houses on the continental United States. Wow! Over-the-counter brokerage houses. And, and was this what what year range was this? Was this in the '60s now, or was it still the late '50s? Uh, this was late sixties, early seventies. Okay, got it. Yeah, and um, and that's when the uh, the stock market um, was in a very very bear market, and then all of a sudden it began to turn around. Uh, but it didn't turn around until around the mid seventies. But during that time, we discovered a way in which to manipulate the stocks. Oh. My partner and I. And what happened was, of course, we started making zillions of dollars. I mean, uh, the Uh, the skies opened up and money poured on us like water. Uh, Of course, all all good things come to an end. We were found out. We were busted. And and that was the end of my license. And um, uh, I escaped jail at that time, but um, I was on five years probation, wound up in real estate and made millions of dollars all over again there. It seemed like everything I touched in that moment uh, as I grew up, uh, every fantasy, every hope, every dream I ever had, searching for that love always came to me. Wow. But underlying all all that... mm -hmm. So so I want to hold it there for the moment. 
because uh, we got to take another break. We got to keep our, our audience on the edge of their seat about what happens next. And so, <laughs> okay. okay, so you made a nice setup. You 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 learn you threw yourself into really being an entrepreneur, making money. You found ways to be ultra successful at it. But again, you were cutting corners, you were doing things that weren't quite so legal or weren't quite so good. And so you get busted, you start over again, you did it again. So you, you kind of feel like you have that that kind of golden touch. Okay, so let's let's leave our audience there. And when we come back, we'll, we'll take it to the next step. Okay, you got it. Okay, so everybody, please stay tuned. You're listening to the Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, and we'll be right back with Alan Gompers after these messages. Howdy, I am Joseph Franklin McElroy, host of the new podcast, Gateway to the Smokies. It airs on talkradio.nyc every Tuesday night from 6 p.m. to 7. Every episode is dedicated to memorable experiences in the Great Smoky Mountains National Park and surrounding areas. This show features experts and locals who will expound upon the richness of culture, history, and adventure that awaits you in the Smokies. Tune in every Tuesday from 6 p.m. to 7 on talkradio.nyc. Are you passionate about the conversation around racism? Hi, I'm Reverend Dr. TLC, host of the Dismantle Racism Show, which airs every Thursday at 11 a.m. Eastern on talkradio.nyc. Join me and my amazing guests as we discuss ways to uncover, dismantle, and eradicate racism. That's Thursdays at 11 o'clock a.m. on talkradio.nyc. Are you a small business trying to navigate the COVID-19 related employment laws? Hello, I'm Eric Sauver, employment law business law attorney and host of the new radio show, Employment Law Today. On my show, we'll have guests to discuss the common employment law challenges business owners are facing during these trying times. Tune in on Tuesday evenings from 5 p.m. to 6 p.m. Eastern Time on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC at www.talkradio.nyc. Now broadcasting 24 hours a day. Welcome back to the Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity. Okay, Alan, so you, you, you threw yourself into being an entrepreneur, making money, made it, lost it, made it again. You, you know, you were still looking for that sort of external feeling of love and connection and, and joy and, and kind of looking for it, I guess, in, in, in some of the wrong places. So, so what happened next? Well, you know, the the thing was, um, it seemed like every success that I had, and there were so many of them, which I outlined, um, ended in failure. Right. Uh, my wife uh, took the baby and, and left my singing career, which was so great. Um, all of a sudden, we're, we're 10 years later, and uh, the doo-wop music and rock and roll just changed venues and, and was no longer, uh, you know, a viable entity. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, success kept eluding me. I kept getting it, and it kept eluding me. I, I would get it, and I would get busted. Eventually, what happened with the stock market was, you know, all of the money, uh, and it was gone. So, you know, I had exhausted all of my options. I didn't know where to look anymore. I had become successful, and and, and everything that I tried, the universe was very benevolent in, in giving me anything that I asked for, but I couldn't hold on to it. I didn't know how to hold it. So I eventually, at the time, started using drugs. Ah. And, um, you know, it started with pot, and then it was cocaine, and then it was whatever. Um, I was never really into it totally, but eventually what happened was my lifestyle had gotten so um, uh, affluent that I needed a way to keep it up. So I began dealing. I see. And I started selling drugs. Um, you know, of course, money started flowing again. Right. Until one day I got, I came home and I had this incredible, um, um, you know, um, I don't know if it was a mansion, but it was the closest thing to it in Chappaqua, uh, and, uh, which is upstate New York. Yep. In um, Westchester. With, with, yeah. Right where, um, what's his name? Uh, President Clinton bought a house up there. They, in fact, they nearly bought my house later on. But at any rate, at any rate, um, I come home one day, and as I go to my mailbox, I get out of the car, and the whole woods come alive, and police cars, you know, you know, uh, armed guards came flying out of the woods, uh, and everybody was pointing guns at me. A hand grabbed me, threw me down on a police car, and and in words that I to this day I will never forget. You are in more trouble than you've ever been in your whole life. Wow. You make one move, and I'll splatter your brains all over the hood of this police car. Jeez. So what had happened was um, one of the uh, one of the um, scenarios there was a year later. I'm standing in front of a, a, a judge in court after a four day jury trial, as he's sentencing me to 15 years to life. Hmm for dealing drugs mm. under the old Rockefeller law. Ah, okay. From there, I'm thrown into a bus, and we drive around upstate New York to um, a facility in, uh, up, up in, um, uh, was it Sullivan County, I think, anyway. It was called the Eastern New York Correctional Facility, a max, maximum security prison. And I was thrown into a, a six-by-nine cell, where, mm. for all intents and purposes, at that point in my life, my life was over. This is where I'm going to spend the rest of my life. To right. me, the life sentence, the life sentence meant life. I, right. I did the 15 behind it. I didn't even understand what it meant. Right. But uh, eventually, um, um, there I was, and, and I'm in this jail cell. The next day, I'm sent out to the prison yard. Mm-hmm. 2,000 inmates, all, all uh, you know, um, in maximum security, most of them lifers, nothing to lose. Let me tell you something, Sam. If, if fear could be measured, um, that was about as, as I couldn't go any higher in, in terms of my experience of fear in that moment. I was scared to death. I bet. I bet. So I made my way to a corner of the prison yard, 
I, as far away from the inmates as I could get, which wasn't very far, but I sat down up against one of the walls of the prison, mm-hmm. and all of a sudden my eyes closed, my legs crossed, and I fell into a very deep state of meditation. I had absolutely no idea what I was doing. I didn't oh, really? Know what meditation, uh, I didn't even know what meditation was. Ah. But when I opened my eyes again, the loneliness, the pain, and the fear had dissolved. Huh. I was sitting up against the wall, looking out at the at the the gun towers and the prison wall and the inmates walking around, feeling a sense of contentment and peace that I had never known before in my entire life. Yeah. Now, I knew something extraordinary had happened. I had no idea what it was, but like everything else in my life, I would get something that really was 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 wonderful and successful and happy, and then I'd lose it. Uh, this was something that I, 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 I said, if there's a God up there, please let me hold on to this feeling, and I will do anything and everything you ask of me for the rest of my life. Hmm. That's how powerful it was. I got yeah. back to my cell, and one of the guys on the block was 36 lifers, Sam. Mm-hmm. He walks up to my cell, and he he hands me a book through the opening in my cell, and he said, check this out. I saw you out in the yard. I know what you were doing. Uh-huh. And I looked at the book, and on the cover of the book was a picture of this meditation master from India. His name was Swami Muktananda. Mm-hmm. And he said, I started to read the book, and I, I can tell you I have never, ever read anything. When I held the book in my hands, my knees buckled. Oh, wow. And so I, you could I feel actually, the energy right I, off the book. Uh, yeah, I got it right off the book, and um, uh, I started to read the book, and the words, the energy that came off the words was incredibly powerful. And I came across a passage that just completely stopped me cold. And this is what he said. He said, the world and everything in you, in, in, in it, has no power over you. You have to choose to be lonely. You have to choose to be unhappy. Mm. You have to choose to be afraid. Nothing or no one is doing anything to you. Everything that happens to you or has ever happened to you or will ever happen to you is the result of your own past actions. You are the creator. Right. Now, if I read those words earlier in the day, I would have taken that book and thrown it into the garbage can. Sure. Because I said to myself, how could anybody, knowing what I was going through, say that I chose to be in this terrifying situation? Right. But then I remembered the experience that I had out in the yard. And I realized that all the outer circumstances in my life that had, all, that had been terrifying me, and my, my wife, after 10 years of renewing our vows, wound up with another man. My mm. business had gone bankrupt. I was sitting there with a life sentence, which I may never, ever get out of prison again. And everything was all still there. And yet... When I came out of that experience of meditation in the yard, I was feeling more content and at peace than I ever had before in my life. Wow. Wow. And, now, it, that, and, it, 
I mean, there must have been some real cognitive dissidents of like you're in this what most people would consider to be like the worst situation uh, that you could possibly be in yet you 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 find miraculously and and spontaneously this place of peace within you uh, it must have been like hard to to uh, kind of uh, uh, understand it hard to 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 calibrate to that 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 the internal state and the external were so different yet you knew what you were feeling well yeah that's that to me that was that was and is the only thing that i now in my life um can count on as being as valid if 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 I read it in a book or somebody told me about it or I was conditioned to believe that it was true, it doesn't take me anywhere. Right. What takes me somewhere is when I experience love, nobody can tell me that I'm not. Right. <laughs> I don't doubt it because I'm experiencing it. When I fall into water uh, in a lake, I know I'm wet. Nobody has to tell it to me. <laughs> I experience it. When yes. I fall in love, nobody has to tell me whether I am or I'm not. I experience it. So the word experience became the most important uh, uh, way in which I evaluated anything that happened to me. If I didn't experience it, then I, 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 I didn't count it as true until I did. And, you know, what, just to go on just a, a, a little bit more of what, what Muktananda has said, he said that, uh, and he was talking to the whole world. He said, oh man, wake up. You have been sleeping too long. You have been searching out in the world all of your life for happiness, success, and peace. But all you have found as you have gotten older was more loneliness, frustration, and fear. And as he went on to say, he said, how could anyone find lasting happiness in a place that is impermanent, ephemeral, and constantly changing. For even if you became the wealthiest man in the world, gained recognition, fame, and fortune beyond your wildest dreams, held your family and loved ones close to you, as you held it all in your hands, you saw it dissolving right before your eyes. Even mm. your body and your very life will one day be taken from you. And in the end, the world will betray you. But then he went on to say, but there is a place deep inside you that is never lonely, never unhappy, never gets sick, knows no fear, and is forever eternal. Hmm. Yeah. So that place inside of us, that connection to spirit, is where we truly find the peace that we're all looking for. Yeah, and you know, you know, in all of the years, you know, um, you know, I've been a life coach and a well-being counselor now for you know forty, fifty years, and working with people. Unless somebody actually has an experience of of what he was saying, then it stays intellectual. It stays conceptual. Right. And they don't really get it, even though 
people know meditation is a very, very positive thing, and they know that um, it has many benefits. But the true essence of meditation is to experience what the athletes call the zone, um, what I experienced when that harmony came together. It was the opening of the heart. The divine presence within is revealed through love. Right. And and yep. what Baba said, Muktananda said, that the immortal soul, I always thought were fairy tales, nonsense, and weren't real, because I never experienced it. Right. But it, when he said that the true self never dies, that it lives on after the body departs, it was harmony. Mm-hmm. He touched my heart. Those words, mm-hmm. he was so filled with the essence of that experience that he was able to, all of these great beings, they're able to evoke that experience in you. Right. And he was even able to evoke it in you, not personally, but through a book, which is even more astounding. Okay. It's, believe it or not, Alan, it's time for us to take our last break of the show. So when we come back, let's, let's, one last commercial break. When we come back, we'll just talk about, you know, how you got out of prison and then, and then sort of where we are today, uh, what's going on, you know, what you feel and, and how people can find for themselves that true meaning of freedom. Okay, Alan? Yeah, that's what I want to touch and I want to talk about meditation more. Great. Um, and I see on the Facebook Live, loyal listener Patty checking in from California and reminding me yesterday in the United States is Veterans Day and God bless to all the veterans out there for your service. And, and in other parts of the world, it's called Remembrance Day. So this is a, a really a good day to remember uh, people who've sacrificed themselves uh, for us to have the life that we have today. So thank you, Patty, for that reminder. And so everybody, please stay tuned. You're listening to the Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity. We do this every Thursday, 12 noon to 1 p.m. Eastern, right here on talkradio.nyc. And we'll be back with our guest, Alan Gompers, to finish up right after this. Join us every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Eastern for the Mind Behind Leadership, where we focus on what leadership really means to us and to others. We have practical discussions with the CEOs of some of the world's largest companies, owners of small businesses, and experts in psychology and behavior to get that inside track, what to do, what to avoid, and what really happens. Join me, Graham Dobbin, at the new time, 4 p.m. every Tuesday for the Mind Behind Leadership, here live on talkradio.nyc. Hey everybody, it's Tommy D, the nonprofit sector connector coming at you from my attic. Each week here on talkradio.nyc, I host a program, Philanthropy in Focus. Nonprofits impact us each and every day, and it's my focus to help them amplify their message and tell their story. Listen each week at 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time until 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time right here on talkradio.nyc. Calling all pet lovers. Pet Avengers, assemble! On the Professionals and Animal Lovers show, we believe the bond between animal lovers is incredibly strong. It mirrors that bond between pets and their owners. Through this program, we come together to learn, educate, and advocate. Join us live every Wednesday at 2 p.m. at talkradio.nyc. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC at www.talkradio.nyc. Now broadcasting 24 hours a day.
welcome back to the Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity. So, Alan, we've just got about nine minutes left uh, to the end of the show. Um, so you, you, you discovered meditation while you're in prison. It, it completely changed your life, your inner world. Um, what was the rest of your experience in prison like, and how did you get out? Um, that's interesting. One day, um, first of all, just let me just say that, um, meditation, um, and I really would like anybody who's listening to really understand this or really hear it. Meditation is not about crossing your legs, closing your eyes. Mm-hmm. Meditate. That's meditation practice. Right. Me- true meditation is a state of being. Um, you can call it love, you can call it consciousness, you can call it wisdom, you can call it God, call it whatever you want. But to touch that part of yourself deep inside, that zone, that, that, that ecstatic place within, where liberation, enlightenment happens, that is the meditative state. And so when people sit for meditation, a lot of times they get into this judgmental area where they're looking at what happens as, um, you know, um, uh, an expectation for a result. And right. that actually blocks the whole experience. Yes. Actually, yes. in meditation, what we really want to do is to allow whatever happens to happen. You know, the, the, the monks in Tibet, um, they talk about meditation instructions by saying, just sit. Right. Just sit and allow meditation to come to you, to surrender mm. to it, not to try to control it. Mm. At any rate, um, <clears throat> so uh, just going back to what you uh, you were you were asking before, one day I walk out into the, uh, the to the yard, and um, I hear my name called over the loud loudspeaker. It wasn't my name; it was my number. Mm-hmm. Uh, you don't have names in prison. <laughs> Actually, prisons you have numbers. Anyway, um, I was told by the guard that the warden of the prison wanted to see me. Okay. Now, uh, I I didn't have any skeletons in my closet anymore, so I just, you know, I felt fine. I I never met him before, but if he wanted to see me, that was okay. Went went back up to his office, and there he was waiting outside. And when he saw me, his face lit up. Huh. And he came running over to me and he extended his hand. He said, "Mr. Gompers." It is so good to see you today. I was I was stunned. He invited me into his office. He had me sit down. He looked at me and he said, have you any idea how many inmates there are in the New York State prison system? I said, I haven't a clue. He said, There's, there were over 40,000 at the time. This is going back 40 years ago. Wow. But now, now it was well over 100. But whatever. Yeah. He said, every year the governor of New York State selects a handful of those to give executive clemency an official pardon. Uh, well, one of them. Wow. And now when I went, when I shook his hand and I said, thank you very much. I, I didn't express anything because I had just come from, you know, a meditation experience out in the yard. I was in a very good place. I wasn't mm-hmm. expecting anything. In fact, I felt happier being in prison than I ever did being out in the world. <laughs> So I just uh, I just shook his hand and said thank you and went back to my cell, and on the way back came the fear. Mm-hmm. This was unprecedented because for 
for several years being in prison, I thought the fear in my life was all gone. Ah. And then what I realized in that moment was I didn't want to leave. Oh. It wasn't, it wasn't being in prison that I wanted to be, but I, I, wanted, I wanted the ability at that point in time to have enough time so that when I finally did get out, nothing or no one could coerce that, that, that experience again. Right. And, and how, long had back, you, how long had you been in prison at that time when you got the clemency? Uh, uh, I've been in prison. Um, I got uh, the clemency, at, at, and they reduced my prison sentence to six to life. I've been down for about two and a half years at that point. Oh, wow. Two and a half years. And then, he, wow. Um, yeah, so this was yeah, completely unprecedented for me. Right. But, but and, you and, wanted to say something? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so then you, 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 that fear came up about leaving prison. Of course, you've had this sort of amazing experience in prison through meditation. You get out and now you're no longer in prison, but you're completely different that adjustment period from being in prison to now being out of prison must have been a little bit challenging, I imagine. It was, but, you know, very quickly, let me just sum up when I got back to my cell after I had the executive okay. clemency order in my hand. Okay. I walked in. I had no idea what was in that letter. Oh, um, okay. So I didn't know how much my sentence was reduced. So I, I thought it might be going out the next day, and that's what scared me. Because oh, I wasn't ready to go. Mm-hmm. Uh, even though my life was really great, I mean, the thought of leaving prison, I still had some attachment to it. Right. When I got into the, my cell at that point in time, I sat down on my on my my bed. I opened up the letter, and it said my sentence had been reduced from fifteen to life to six to life. And I I had served two and a half years, so that meant I still had three and a half years to go. And I let out a roar of, of a yay, kind of, how happy it was that I was going to have this extra time. Oh. <laughs> if I ever mentioned that, if I ever said that out loud, they throw a net over me, but right. that's exactly how I felt. <laughs> and right. as I sat there on my bed feeling very, very grateful, I hear that voice inside of me saying, Alan, it's not about getting out of prison. It's about getting free. And you're not there yet. Behind the walls of this this prison, you can hear my voice. Hmm. And so that was that was the genesis of, um, you know, eventually uh, I actually did another two years and I got a work release and I was released out into the world. So you were asking me how I felt when I went out. I had fifty dollars and a suit and a, and a sport jacket and a suit and a pair of shoes and none of it fit. And fifty bucks. <laughs> yeah. That was the extent of what I had, but I had no fear. My life at that point in time was filled with gratitude and and possibility, and I was just I was just free as a bird and looking forward to every next step in my life going forward. Gotcha. Gotcha. So well, we, we just have 60 seconds left to the show. So, so that was many, many years ago. You, you've kind of mm-hmm. since then dedicated your life to, to supporting others. In today's world, the way we are living today, what one last message would you like to give our audience before we sign off? 
the 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 greatest beings that have ever walked this planet. Jesus, mm-hmm. Buddha, Gandhi, Martin Luther King, and on and on and on goes the list. Their legacy to humanity was meditation. Mm. And in today's world, you know, in order for anything to be sustainable, for anything to be lasting, we have to be living in that state of the heart. Mm. Everything else is uh, going to implode and cause us to lose our humanity. And that's exactly what I see when I look around the world today. Those that have moved to the side of spirituality are experiencing the truth in a way that the other end of it is not. Mm-hmm. And we need now more than ever in our lives to experience the truth. And it, it is that truth that will set us free. And, and you know that great saying, I'll end it with this. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free, is doesn't tell the story, because the word know doesn't refer to the intellect. Mm. It refers to the experience of the heart. And the way that that aphorism reads, you know, rightly, is, and you shall experience the truth, and that experience will set you free. And the way to it, the key to the kingdom, is through meditation. Gotcha. Gotcha. Alan, thank you so much for taking the time out of your schedule for coming on my show today. Uh, If anybody wants to learn more about you, if they want to contact you, how would they do that? Well, they can go to my website, which is my name, Alan Gompers, A-L-A-N-G-O-M as in Mary, P as in P to E-R-S. And, um, um, well, they can contact me uh, through my website, and my, I have my book, Maximum Security, The True Meaning of Freedom, which will, um, uh, we have a number of movie production companies that are interested in making a movie out of this, and uh, so that's a possibility down the road, who knows, but... Um, Wonderful. So there it is, and for anybody who'd like to contact me, you can get in touch with me through my website. Wonderful. Wonderful. Well, Alan, it's always a pleasure having a fellow Bronx boy come on the show today. (laughs) I I, I so appreciate you. Uh, Thank you so much for what you're you're doing and spreading in the world. It's so important. And yes, I I highly recommend to people out there, if, if you haven't started a meditation practice, it's okay. It doesn't have to be fancy. It doesn't have to be uh, something complicated. You don't have to sit cross-legged on the floor, light a candle. I mean, all that stuff is external. Just sit, focus on your breath, be with yourself, and see what arises. So thank you all and for you know, tuning on my on, on my website, by the way, I have a meditation CD called The Power of Meditation that, that, I, that was produced for me, and uh, you can get it there also. So wonderful wonderful so thank you all for tuning in thank you my loyal listeners and patty uh and and sanaya wonderful thank you for checking in today as always thank you for tuning in and we will talk to you next week and thank you sam very much
Do you run or are ready to open your own business? Hi, I'm Jeremiah Fox. I've been operating and opening small business for the last 25 years, and I'm the host of the new show, The Entrepreneurial Web. Tune in every Friday at noon Eastern time for insights and stories on the nuances of running small business right here on Fridays at noon, talkradio.nyc. Have you ever thought of reinventing yourself? Are you looking to create a new life's journey? Hi, I'm Kevin Barbaro, host of Coffee Talk XL every Tuesday night, 5, 8 p.m. Eastern on talkradio.nyc. Tune in live to hear me and my guests from a variety of different backgrounds. As a former college coach and a current full-time actor and owner of multiple companies, my show is as eclectic as my life. That's Coffee Talk XL every Tuesday night, 8 p.m. on talkradio.nyc. informed about menopause and how it impacts on your life hi i'm pat duckworth women's health strategist and host of the hot women rock radio show empowering women leaders at menopause join me every thursday at 10 a.m eastern time 3 p.m uk time on talkradio.nyc for interviews with inspirational women who will share their top tips to rock your world post-COVID world, you may have many unanswered questions regarding your health. Are you looking to live a healthier lifestyle? Do you have a desire to learn more about mental health and enhance your quality of life? Or do you just want to participate in self-understanding and awareness? I'm Frank R. Harrison, host of Frank About Health, and each Thursday, I will tackle these questions and work to enlighten you. Tune in every Thursday at 5 p.m. on talkradio.nyc, and I will be Frank About Health to advocate for all of us. Gateway to the Smokies. It airs on talkradio.nyc every Tuesday night from 6 p.m. to 7. Every episode is dedicated to memorable experiences in the Great Smoky Mountains National Park and surrounding areas. This show features experts and locals who will expound upon the richness of culture, history, and adventure that awaits you in the Smokies. Tune in every Tuesday from 6 p.m. to 7 on talkradio.nyc.